Greetings all, and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. The speculation that art and madness, what we now call mental illness, are connected is as old as art itself. More recently, Kanye West famously challenged people to, quote, name one genius that ain't crazy. For generations, even clinical researchers have made the case that a high percentage of artists suffer from some form of mental illness. More recent research has pushed back against this narrative, pointing out that the methodology is flawed and full of anecdotal references to artists who may have committed suicide or acted in a way that people considered eccentric. What is well established, however, is the beneficial practice of art therapy, applying the visual arts in therapeutic contexts. And people don't have to work with a therapist in a controlled environment to see the mental health benefits of artistic expression. In a glib sort of way, this seems to beg the question, if visual artists have a predisposition for mental illness and the visual arts can be employed in a meaningful treatment of mental illness, shouldn't the two cancel out? Uh, well, it's probably not that simple. That's why I said it was a glib question. Uh, but all of this throat clearing is my way of introducing today's guest. Nikki Lau was born and raised in San Francisco, California, my hometown. She received her MFA with a concentration in ceramics at Penn State University, where she was awarded her Bunton Waller assistantship. After graduating from Penn State, Nikki moved to Philadelphia, where she joined the all-women's art collective This Many Boyfriends Club. She's shown work in both Philadelphia and San Francisco, and she's currently starting a one-year artist and residency at the Clay Art Center in Port Chester, New York. I'm very happy that it brings her to Margin Call. Welcome, Nikki, and thank you for being here. Uh, with us, as always, of course, is our producer, Eming Piancai, who will keep us on task tonight uh, and hopefully chime in more than she usually does, because uh, this was her brainchild. So let me start with you, Nikki. I'm aware that my introduction was heavy handed. That's fine. So you don't I said it so you don't have to say it. But we've been talking about doing a show about mental health and art. Uh, for a while. And there seems to be a fair amount of overlap of those two in your work. And as I understand it, you're preparing some work now. And the theme for your pieces is around anxiety. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that theme, how it's reflected in or inspires your work? I definitely have experienced uh, paralysis of analysis. I like um, that phrase, paralysis of analysis. Tell, tell me more about paralysis of analysis. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was The first time I heard it coined was when I was in AmeriCorps, and um, it was very prevalent in social justice communities where... Um, you can overthink a situation to the point where you don't make any change happen at all. But I think for me, at least it happened back in November when I had, so I have a few shows coming up this year and I just kept thinking the entire time I have to make something good. I have to hold my own against other amazing artists. I have to make something honestly, when I was already feeling some deep imposter syndrome. So I had a really hard time making work. Um, and the only reason I'm making work right now is because all my deadlines are about to hit really hard, really fast. I mean, I, I think that's a common disease among artists. I'm a writer. I don't ever get anything done if I don't have oh, yeah. I, I a can, deadline. I can, I can attest. You're not alone. There, <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Eming yesterday, um, was it time press plus pressure equals diamonds? That's true. I think that's actually scientifically true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that that's a justification for um, procrastination? Procrastination. There you go. Another, another yeah. rhyming phrase. You know, we have <laughs> paralysis of analysis and uh, justification for procrastination. Although that last one's more of a mouthful. 
so I saw some of your work. So you've obviously gotten some stuff done. I really liked, um, well, there were a few and I'll let you describe them because you can do them. You can do the description better than I can. Uh, but some of it was what looked to be like small models of food. There was like a little tiny bowl of ramen and like what looked like. I know that they weren't chicken nuggets, but they kind of looked like a little box of chicken nuggets. <laughs> they were chicken nuggets. <laughs> they were chicken nuggets? Yeah. I should be an art critic. <laughs> um it was life size oh okay so two scale yeah two scale. see that i that i didn't get on instagram so was that work that you were preparing for this show because eming sent me some other photographs or one additional photograph that's like some heads like three small ceramic heads well i think they're small they might actually be life size as well those are also life size also life size (laughs) now i know see this is the problem with instagram you have to go see art in the gallery you can't just look at a picture so is some of this work did, did it shift your messaging are they both along the theme of anxiety um or is is that more specific so tell me a little bit about that uh so the food pieces were uh i did a food piece to every single day that i was feeling anxiety in november (laughs) like october and november that that was a rough month for everyone i think not just you nikki (laughs) 61 days (laughs) well no i didn't do every single one but like key highlights so um oh i see a box of macarons is that what that is yes Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Uh, well i'll say this like you you choose to choose foods that are like very photogenic you know yeah you're you're not you're not making like a ceramic version of a sloppy joe or something that's really hard to make (laughs) i was commenting on the macaron because macaron is like kind of a beautiful food object anyway but the representation representation here is like even more delicate you know it's the pistachio green and the uh you know millennial eloise pink in a in a striped box you know it's like very it's like fetishizing food which i guess we do anyway that's what food porn is but oh i definitely uh, fetishize food nice as we should uh so does that mean you made i mean think about it if all of the month of october all of the month of november well, no i did day, highlights so mean- i didn't do okay all right day. yeah no i would be done <laughs> well technically <laughs> you did make a whole thanksgiving meal once upon a time i, Russell, I did that's I, Russell, true i don't know if you that saw her true. her website but um were, were we in high school when you did that was that college when was that college she like she did this whole Chinese dinner thing, and, and it's, like, massive. There's plates and dishes and, like, everything. It was, like, it, it was a big-ass table of just her, of, of a meal. Everything to scale. Is that yeah. true for everything? Like, is all of your work? Oh, I see a Thanksgiving yeah, one. Yeah, I'm that. looking at the site again right now. I took I see those Thanksgiving. pictures. <laughs> you those did. Are good photos. Thank you. So, yeah, I, again, have taken this off subject because I wanted to talk more ceramic food <laughs> but uh, how did you select how, how did you select which dishes you wanted to feature and what was the significance you know like there's a slice of pepperoni pizza in there there are a couple macarons what is i mean how was that therapeutic for you as you suggest uh so those two bodies of work um so the pizza is comfort food but i was pulling people to ask them what their comfort food was um, and I just kept thinking, what do people eat when they're feeling stressed or possibly anxiety or how do they cope? And so um, apparently a lot of cheese and carbs. <laughs> That's the, the common pattern I'm seeing. That sounds least. about right. Wait, a lot of a lot of what? What kind of cheese? Cheese and carbs. Oh, just cheese and carbs. Cheese carb. Well, that's the best stuff, I think, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a very seems to be a lot of brown and tan. And yellow. 
<laughs> that seems to be the common denominator with that. Um, but it also depends on. Then um, I see French fries. Oh wait, blue. How about blue corn chips? Who suggested blue corn chips? I see those. Oh, okay. There. So that's the second body of work. So I did seven, like a week's worth of anxiety, but highlighted in seven days of nice. of the two months. So of October and November. So. Um, Let's see. So the chicken nuggets were from during the Kavanaugh hearings. Oh, um, damn. damn. <laughs> I just ate my fucking weight in chicken nuggets. Um, yeah. And then uh, the blue corn chips, I was, so I'm in a pretty tiny town. I'm probably one of like, or yeah, one of like five Asian people in this entire town that I live in right now. And I was walking by and someone started screaming arigato at me. And I like completely lost my hunger for that day. Jesus. So, yeah, it's, it usually touches either on race or, um, yeah, or even just anxiety or things that trigger me. Um, but, yeah, I was thinking about how I was coping with it with food that partic- those particular days. And then, yeah, I have birthday cake on there. Um because I turned thirty, yeah, very and artistic was birthday cake. About it's it. like a, it's got like a, like big like Wayne Thibault vibes. You know what I mean? Like very clean edges, and then like a little so in the middle. It's a very artistic chocolate cake. It's not your average chocolate cake. I tried to make it look as as close to my actual chocolate cake that I had for my birthday. Wait, which birthday? Oh, of the, of, of of last year. Or mm-hmm. oh, okay. Um, so tell me about the heads then, because those seem to be not really a departure, but maybe like a more literal representation, right? Like as you're explaining the food, it's becoming mm-hmm. clear that there are levels, you know, there are uh, larger social relevance to this work. The heads are a little more literal. So tell me, describe them for us a little bit, and then talk about um, the the process. Sure. Um, so more recently, I started incorporating sewing into clay. Um, so I'll pre-poke all the holes. And then after everything's been fired, I'll take needle and thread and sew it back in. But yeah, for me, it's I guess the parallels between clay and sewing are they both have very like violent yet tender roots. So I wanted to combine the two together. What's the violence of uh clay and and thread respectively well when you're sewing i mean a needle is a pretty violent act to poke in and out into fabric Um, that's true when you're doing it into clay it's um yeah it's more intentional um and then as far as clay like the entire process is really violent and really tender like you're when you're wedging clay, you're slamming the air pockets out of the clay. You're setting it on fire twice. Like when you're putting it into a kiln, Um, it's the only art form I know that you labor on it for like hours or weeks or days. And then, yeah. And then you set it on fire twice. Uh, I'm trying to, I know that Eming sent me a photo of these guys, um, but now I can't find it. It's in a text message. Oh, that's why. Sorry, I should have just done that, but we were already chatting. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I just remember that they had words on them, so I wanted to make sure. Okay. Uh, and it, in fact, it comprises a silence, uh, a sentence. Sorry, that's a bit of a spoiler. The word silence is in the sentence. <laughs> uh, three heads, um, life-size, I've recently learned. One in the middle is looking directly at you. 
the one on the left is looking at the person in the middle, the one on the right could be looking at the person in the middle. It's a little bit ambiguous. And they each have stitching over their mouths. The first one says, your silence. The middle one says, will not. And the last one says, protect you. And those words are stitched in, right? You're, that's the process that you described a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that question, your silence will not protect you. Uh, is that a reference to a specific event from your life? Is that a reference to a political event? You mentioned the Kavanaugh hearings earlier. What's what's the impetus mm-hmm. for um, for this piece and that phrase? Uh, yeah, so it's an Audre Lorde quote. And I think for me a lot, there's like multiple errors, obviously. Uh, but for me, it's being an Asian American woman, I'm used to, whenever I'm in like any POC circles, I'm used to honestly seeing my voice get silenced. Like there will always be louder voices than mine. And so I think I do art because it's the only way I can actually express myself and still put like place myself somewhere in the world. Um, So there's that layer. And then um, for me, I experienced trauma two years ago and, um, and I knew immediately that if I didn't talk about it, I would, have a mental breakdown and I was experiencing symptoms of PTSD. So I think when I actually sought out therapy and started actually opening up to people, um, it, it really helped me heal and recover. So in a sense, the messaging uh, of that phrase can be directed at you, right? About a kind of a reminder that your own silence is not, won't, won't protect you and kind of encouraging you to, to process some of these experiences. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, they are, they are loose. I mean, I tried to do some, some variation of a self portrait of, of me and all three of those heads. And so the other two heads are kind of staring at me like saying, hurry up and say something. Oh, you're in the heads. Now I really have to look at them. (laughs) 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 Well, that was going to be my next question. Like who was the, who was the, who was the model for the heads was going to be my next question. Uh, it was you. All right. I'm looking at it now. I see it. Thank you for pointing that out, by the way. Uh, eyebrows are excellent. I love these eyebrows in the middle only because eyebrows are so expressive, man. We forget how important they are until they're like gone. <laughs> you know? Pencil them in later <laughs> in life. It's true. A lot of people just don't have eyebrows. Like a and, good old uh, you know, Filipino old lady. Part of their personality goes away. Well, yeah, then you can tattoo back on and mm, that's true <laughs> you've got a permanent expression uh, oh yeah but i see it Iming, i want to bring you into the conversation because i always want to bring you into the conversation but this time i have a specific reason okay uh and that is that this is a subject we've been talking about for a long time right uh you found nikki you wanted to introduce some of these themes about the relationship between visual art and mental health um so i wanted to ask you about where this came from whether it's personal interest or an experience of your own and maybe kind of shed a little bit of light that that I wasn't able to touch on in the intro. Okay. Well, um, our last talk about this was Kanye West. I didn't feel like that was like an, like a, like a, a, the greatest example of like every man's artistic um, mental issue. It it seemed like, um, because when I spoke with Nikki about this and she showed me her food, I was like, that's so relatable. Like, of course, people are going to turn to food. That's how people turn to food for everything. That's why America's so, you know, we're all 
big as hell. Um, but then last night when when we well, the night before when we were talking about it and she told me then there that she actually changed her idea for her theme and it was a much more literal interpretation of anxiety and being voiceless and not having the power to do something. So I I, I like how this topic kind of went like from here to here uh, for this episode. But like, you know, personally, like, you know, I've been to therapy. I had my own weird issues in life. Um, and it is really hard to express yourself, um, especially when all the docs want to do is give you medication to, like, make you normal and make you numb inside. I wish that in, in my 18, 19, 20s, I, I was given the opportunity to not just, like, get get be given pills to like deal with what I was feeling and actually like work it through and do something like like what Nikki had done and expressed it in that way versus just, it would probably would have made me a lot different person. Well, ideally. you are an artist, right? Yeah. But Writer, I, you're a yeah. filmmaker, you're a videographer. Have you, you know, with that insight, uh, have you drawn on those skills and um, talents that you have to process some of this? Yeah, I mean, um, we know you. We know you write poetry. First of all, not anymore. We know you write poetry. <laughs> ba- it was bad poetry. I was young. Nikki knows. Nikki read them because I made her, and she I and she was super. She was super nice about it at the time. But uh, when I was in uh, what was it? My first first year of grad school for uh, for film, I made this short film called A Drug Called Jenny. But I did it for my class, and it was like a five minute film about this guy who's like looking for like the perfect woman, but at the same time he's like hooked on like. Uh, um, for what, what, what drug it was but he's kind of going through his own thing and and by the end of the film he's not sure if the love he found with this girl is real because he's so drugged up on something else how come this is the first time i'm hearing about named jenny i i, I don't know so why wasn't kanye a good example of uh, of an artist struggling well, with I, mental I, I mean, he, anything he's, he's like the prototypical that's what you were saying but i'm saying he's such an like almost an extreme version of that like right. like not everyone is kanye west you can't be like brilliant sort of somewhere else and like with hella money like that's not a normal anybody we all can't we all can't be fucking kim kardashian like i'm sorry that's not a reality for most of us so are you more interested in the struggling artist always all my friends (laughs) (laughs) everyone i know is struggling artist yeah yep we can't all hire kenny g to play somewhere over the rainbow so weird for our wives in the house did you see that nikki no. Nikki's, this been, was Kanye. Nikki's been in the studio today. She probably didn't see that. Yeah. She's too busy being productive She's and like being making a legitimate real art. artist. Like, I'm yeah. going to throw like, some clay meanwhile, today. Meanwhile, E Ming and I are like, oh, look what Kim did for Kanye for Valentine's Day. Hey, she only recently got a smartphone, man. So she's just, this is a whole new thing in a way. That's what it takes to be an artist. You have to be committed, you know? Uh, so just so you know, Nikki, Kanye West for Valentine's Day hired Kenny G to stand in a room in his home uh, with, you know, hundreds of single roses and single bud vases. It's actually really kind of a performance art installation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Somewhere over the rainbow to surprise Kim when she came home. Wow. Uh, There are videos of it everywhere. A lot of the jokes are about, like, is Kenny G okay? (laughs) Like, like, like have they let him out? Yeah, it looks like he was kind of like, that he's always there. Like, this wasn't just for Valentine's Day. Like, that's just the Kenny (laughs) doom, like, every day. Why Kenny G? Why? 
why? <laughs> I mean, there was a time, Kenny is a punchline now, but there was a time, you know, 25 years ago that like that was the most romantic music we had come up with so far oh. as people was Kenny G's soprano saxophone, soft, light jazz. I mean, you know, Kanye's an artist and a musician. So obviously he knows the referential irony of having Kenny G play somewhere over the rainbow in your house. I don't know what level Kim received it on. I don't want to make any assumptions about what level Kim received it on, but I'd like to think that Kanye is thinking about the 10 levels of irony. And Kim was just like, Oh, hold on. Like I got to put this on, um, on Snapchat, you know, like best husband ever, uh, uh, which was her actual cat, oh, actual God. caption. Who has the best husband? I do. You know? oh my God. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that like, if I went to the MoMA and I walked into a room and Kenny G was there and there were a hundred buds of flower buds in vases and Kenny G was playing somewhere over the rainbow, I would say, this person is a goddamn genius. Tell me who, <laughs> what, who the artist was who put this together. This sums up our collective experience in popular culture and the oppression of modernity. Like this is, Next level art. Uh, oh and I come God. to find out it's it's just a romantic, run-of-the-mill romantic gesture from Kanye West. Oh, um, so now now you're up to speed on what's going on in popular yep, culture, Nikki. Gonna... Uh, a, a good reminder, you're not missing anything. <laughs> Please Apparently. continue to make continue to make your art. Don't worry about whether you have a cell phone or not, because that's all you're missing. Um <laughs> So before we wrap up, I want to make sure that we get information about your um, upcoming shows in case we have listeners who want to check it out or nearby. I'm in New York City, for instance. Uh, So you mentioned, are they exhibitions or what what is it that's coming up for you? Yeah. um, So I I currently have have three shows this year so far. Four. Sorry. Four. Um, Only four? I'm very excited. I know. Question. I just filled out my resume. All right, updated my resume today. I'm like, oh my god, I have four shows. This is amazing. It's impressive. Uh, well, that yeah, I, I was definitely not doing very much before that. Um, yeah, I took a long break. Um, okay, so if you're in Philadelphia, there's a show called Small Favors, um, and it's a juried show where they invite. Um, it was like 187 artists to put a tiny ceramic um, object into a cube that's four by four by four. Um, so that's going to be at the Clay Studio in, I believe, March. And then um, I have another show in March at the National Com- Conference for the Education of Ceramic Arts. And that's going to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm really excited about that one because that one's a big fucking deal. Um, so last year I was in a show with um, the Penn State, Penn State Alumni Show. And that had like 150 people. And now I'm going to be in a show with 10 people. So I'm really excited about Moving that on one. up. Uh, oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. It's a good premiere show, I have to say. I'm really excited about it. Um nice. And then, yeah, and that show's called Human Nature. And then I have um, one show currently happening right now at Helena, Montana, because I got into a juried show called Beyond the Brickyard at Archie Bray. And 
yeah, with within the field of ceramics, that's a big fucking deal um, because it's the number one ceramic residency uh, in the country. Congratulations. So, thank you. That was really exciting. Yeah, there were yeah. Um, 300 applicants and they took 30 people. Wow. Um, that's impressive. And then I... Yeah, I was like shocked. I'm like, what? That's not me. Oh, that's me. Okay. Um, and then I have a, a show with my other fellow resident, uh, Christine Fashion, um, at the Clay Arts Center. And that's going to be in June. So if you're in right. Portchester, New York, you should come back. <laughs> I just might be. Uh, and I'll make it's sure. It's a 45 minute train ride from the city. Oh, yeah, that's nothing. I'm in. June? Great. June. A lovely June, a lovely June jaunt upstate jaunt. Hudson River Valley, I presume. Jaunt? Who do you, who do you <laughs> think you are? Are you Frazier? What are you? <laughs> I'm going jaunt. to a ceramic show in the Hudson Valley, so I think it warrants the word jaunt. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll make sure to put all that information up on the site, so if other people want to check out your work, they can, and we'll put a link to your website so that people can see I mean, the food was really the main draw for me, but there are a lot of incredible pieces on the site. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Nikki. This has been thank a very so spirited and informative conversation. And thanks to you, Emang, for bringing Nikki on the show and suggesting this conversation. Um, every time you contribute, something we are blown happens. away. Is yes, it, is that, something great is happens. That sarcastic, <laughs> blown no, away. No, totally serious. It's <laughs> okay. like another like good reminder oh. that we need to just be like making you do stuff all the time. Because whenever you're like, oh, I don't know, you try to play it off. But then whenever you come in and uh, become our producer, then we end up having great shows and wonderful guests. So I'm always your producer. No, I'm well, not your no. producer. Are you firing me? <laughs> Only you could find a way that that was somehow. <laughs> I'm a champion at that kind of well stuff. Well done. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks to both of you. Uh, thanks to all our listeners. Until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California. 